Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be breaking down this week's Genesis Invitational. That is this week's stop on the PGA Tour being played at Riviera Country Club in sunny Pacific Palisades, California, which is actually worth noting this week because Riviera is really geographically close to Los Angeles Country Club, which is the site of this year's U.S. Open for golf. So it will definitely be interesting to see who does well this week, um, who clearly does well in the city of Los Angeles. Um, And so that way, you know, just something to keep in mind as we look forward to the summer and the U.S. Open being held in Los Angeles. Anyway, thinking ahead to the rest of the week, this podcast is primarily a golf and college basketball podcast right now. We will have daily episodes coming out the rest of the week for DFS College Basketball, so if you're interested in that, make sure you hit the subscribe button so that way you're notified every time we drop an episode, and please rate and review. Y'all, I'm not kidding. I didn't realize this until I started releasing these podcasts. It really does make a difference when you do rate and review. I used to think people just said that, but it really does make a difference, so please help me out and do that. Um, So... This podcast here, the episode that you are listening to, we are going to talk about Riviera Country Club and preview the course. Then we're going to look at some golfer profiles and talk about some guys that might have some success here. And then we're going to talk about one and done strategy for the week as well. So if you are playing DFS, if you are making outright bets, if you are making prop bets, if you are playing one and done, you are in the right spot for this week's Genesis Invitational. We've got it all covered and we're going to break it all down. But first, a quick word from our friends at Anchor. All right, let's kick things off by talking about the tournament and talking about the course. So this week's tournament, the Genesis Invitational, is an elevated event on the new PGA Tour counter, which means that there is additional prize money up for grabs this week as opposed to a regularly scheduled PGA Tour event, which has brought out all of the big dogs. This is a super deep field. Um, It's very comparable to last week's Waste Management Phoenix Open, which was comparable to a major championship. So um, you're going to see a very deep field, a lot of talent at this tournament. Um, This is kind Kind of known as Tigers Tournament, uh, and so a lot of guys would come out anyway, even without the elevated event status, just for that reason. Um, but you're definitely seeing a lot of talent come to this course. Now, the course itself, I think that there's no coincidence that they scheduled this event right after Super Bowl week because they know that there's going to be a little bit of increased eyes on golf. Um, you know, there's going to be a Sunday finish, Sunday night finish with the tournament being on the West Coast, and it's just perfect timing to bring attention to the sport of golf with a very, very prestigious, beautiful venue. If you've never watched Riviera on TV, it's one of my favorite courses to watch just because it's just like it's Southern California at its finest. Like it's Um, you know, a beautiful looking course. It's very challenging as well. It's one of the tougher courses on the PGA Tour year in and year out. It is 7,300 yards and it's only a par 71. Um, Now, because it's in California, it is going to feature POA grass on the greens. And Riviera is known for its narrow fairways and lots of dog legs. Now, it's a moderate amount of trees at Riviera. So I would say that it's somewhere in between like a Torrey Pines where just if you miss the fairway, oh, you're just hitting out a rough, just hit towards the green anyway. And um, like a harbor town where, you know, if you miss the fairway, you're going to be dealing with tree trouble at every step. It's somewhere in between those two, um, but there definitely is a lot of dog legs. There definitely is tight fairways and there definitely is thick rough. So you want to be able to hit these tight fairways. Another thing that makes Riviera super unique is that there are elevated green complexes. What I mean by that is the greens are kind of like built into like a hill. 
So that way, if you miss the green, it's rolling off the green, and you're going to be hitting from this little depressed short game valley area. And it makes it very difficult to get up and down when you're chipping up onto these greens. It doesn't allow you to get um, enough kind of spin and loft on the ball to get it to stop. So it's very difficult to get up and down. So good short game players tend to have success here because they're able to get the ball up and down on those greens. If you want to see a full video about Riviera's architecture, Golf Digest had a video a few years ago called Every Hole at Riviera on YouTube that was very informative, very entertaining, um, and just goes through hole by hole with just some picture X shots of you know what Riviera has to offer. Now at Riviera, because it's such a difficult course, you have to take advantage of the easy holes and there are four of them number one is a 500 yard significantly downhill par five it pretty much plays to an average of about 4.2 strokes so this is an absolute birdie hole the other two par fives on or at riviera are reachable also and the 10th hole is a drivable par four that features a very narrow green complex very hard to hit the green um, and hold it you know, with your tee shot on 10, but a lot of guys are going to have a go at it because they think that even if they miss the green, they can get up and down from a bunker or they can get up and down from one of those depressed short game areas uh, and still come away with a birdie. So those are holes that you absolutely have to take advantage of if you win the tournament. And it absolutely makes for great viewing on Sunday because 18 is also very difficult. Basically with what I mentioned with hole one, it's significantly downhill because the clubhouse basically sits at the top of a hill. And then so at 18, you're hitting up in into that hill and it's a very hard green to hit and very hard hole to par so uh, makes for a very good finish on Sunday now in terms of comp courses I think that people will love to compare this course to Torrey Pines, which is another long golf course in California that has POA greens. So that's going to be the natural comparison, but I don't think that's the best comparison. I mentioned this on the preview of the Farmers Insurance Open, which was played at Torrey Pines. The short game difficulty of Torrey Pines is nothing compared to Riviera because in Torrey Pines, it's just thick rough surrounding the greens. In Riviera, you're hitting from you know depressed areas. You're hitting from bunkers. It's a lot harder to get up and down at Riviera than it is at Torrey Pines. Now, in in terms of comparisons, I think that there are two that are decent comparisons, and that's Quail Hollow, home of the Wells Fargo Championship, and Bay Hill, home of the Arnold Palmer Invitational. These are two courses that are much longer than average and much more difficult than average, uh, and so you see some similarities between those three courses, but I think the best comparison is Memorial Park in Houston. Um, that is another course that features a lot of depressed short game areas. It's also very difficult. Now, granted, the Houston Open doesn't typically see the same level of fields that this tournament does, but I definitely think that there's some par comparison there in terms of the course architecture. Now, what's also interesting to note is that there is some crossover success to Augusta National as well. Some of the guys that have success here also have success at Augusta, like Tiger Woods, Bubba Watson, Adam Scott, Hideki Matsuyama, but I don't know if I'm necessarily willing to compare Riviera to Augusta. Um, they're not that similar in terms of architecture, but the crossover success in there is there. They're both long golf courses that require a lot of shot making to succeed at. So in other words, the type of golfer we want this week, because it's a long course, we would prefer somebody who is long off the tee. And because it's narrow fairways, we prefer someone who's straight off the tee. Now, I know what you're saying. Like, Mike, obviously, if, if a guy's long and straight off the tee, they're going to be one of the better golfers on the PGA Tour, right? Well, yes, kind of, sort of. But the just being able to 
hit these fairways and put yourself in good position is a way to kind of have a leg up on the rest of the competition at this course. Now, if you are missing the fairways, it also helps to be a longer hitter because you're able to, you know, get more club head speed on the ball coming out of this thick rough. And you're going to be able to, you know, still get some shots on the ball out of the rough and maybe still hit some greens out of the rough. Um, kind of the extreme example of that would be like, think about like a Bryson DeChambeau, how he never really minds to miss the fairway because he knows that he can get the club head speed to get the ball and get clean contact out of the rough. Obviously, Bryson's at live now. Um, but that's just kind of a logic that why longer hitters do well at Riviera. Now, also, I think that it is very important to be a good around the green player at Riviera. You've got to be a good short gamer that can get up and down because par is going to be a good score. The green and regulation percentage this week is going to be one of the lowest it's going to be all year. Guys aren't going to be able to hit as many greens on par fours that and par threes that they're used to. And so you got to be able to get up and down. you got to be able to make pars. So what we're looking for, in, in a nutshell, long and straight off the tee has the ability to get up and down. And, you know, from there, if they have that skill set, then they have the skills in their toolbox necessary to win this week at Riviera. All right, so let's go ahead and start with the golfer profiles. We're going to start at the very top of the board and work our way down, but I'm going to take a quick breather first. It should come as no surprise to yet again see John Rahm at the top of the board in betting odds and DraftKings and FanDuel salaries. And I mean, in all honesty, he's kind of playing the best consistent golf in the world right now. He's coming off of a third at the Waste Management Up Phoenix Open. And some would call that disappointing, but I mean, third place finish at one of the toughest fields in golf sounds pretty good to me. And if you play him on DraftKings or FanDuel, you're going to be okay with that outcome. Now, to me, John Rom fits the perfect description of someone who would do well here. He's very long off the tee very straight off the tee, and he's got enough creativity to get up and down in the short game. Now, John Rahm excels at long golf courses as well because he's so good with his long irons, and so that is going to be a skill set that can definitely apply here at Riviera. He has four appearances here at Riviera. He's finished 5th, 9th, 17th, and 21st, which is pretty solid, and with the way he's playing, I definitely think he warrants his price tag in DFS, and I'm definitely fine playing him in DFS formats. Scotty Scheffler is second on the board, and he showed last week just what happens when the putter cooperates. His game is so solid tee to green in terms of being a good driver of the golf ball, being good with his irons, being good from any type of lie. I think that's an underrated skill that he has is he seems to be the best at dealing with these ball beneath his feet, ball above his feet, side hill, whatever. Like he just seems to be really good at hitting from unorthodox lies. And that's part of the reason why he was able to do so well at Phoenix last week is, you know, hitting from the desert didn't face him whatsoever. Um, and so with his game being so solid, all he needs is the putter to just be a little bit above average and he wins the golf tournament. It's pretty much what's happened in his five wins. Speaking of which, his five wins are pretty notable because they're kind of some of my comp courses for Riviera. Bay Hill, he won at, and Augusta National, he won at. So uh, definitely worth noting that Scotty succeeds at long, difficult golf courses. If the putter can just be average, he's going to turn in a good week. Now, he does have four appearances at this golf tournament. He has a 7th, a 20th, a 30th, and a missed cut. But the good news is the 7th was last year. So maybe he's starting to figure this course out, and I don't mind going back to Scotty Scheffler this week. Now, we always talk about the back-to-back -back narrative, but hey, Tony Finau did it last year. And so if Tony Finau can do it, Scotty Scheffler can do it. Rory McIlroy is just a solid fit 
anywhere. He's the most well-rounded golfer in the field. If any, if there's anything he doesn't have, it's you know an elite putter at all times. Um, he has elite course history here as well. He has three top tens and one missed cut, which I will never forget because I played him in one and done that one year that he missed the cut, which was super disappointing to get a missed cut out of Rory McIlroy. But anyway, Rory just super well-rounded golfer. Super good game, like have no problem deploying him in any format. Like he's Roy McElroy. Like you just he's just solid. Justin Thomas. I was very concerned about hitting into last week, and he kind of proved me wrong a little bit. He had a fourth place finish at the Waste Management Phoenix Open, and he lost strokes with the putter, which means that if he just had an average putting week then he might have a chance at winning that golf tournament. Now, granted, on the back nine on Sunday, if you were watching the broadcast, he absolutely was knocking everything down. Like, it seemed like he couldn't miss. So apparently in the previous, you know, 63 holes, he wasn't making a whole lot at all. So it just it just amazes me that, you know, you can have a week where he was so bad with the putter and still finish fourth. That's Justin Thomas right there. He is a great around the green player also. He's one of the, like, if you look at over the course of the last two or three years, he's gained some of the most strokes total around the green, which is a really good sign for doing well at Riviera. And he has some pretty good history here at Riviera. He has a ninth, a sixth, and a second, but also two missed cuts. And those two missed cuts, he was very bad with the putter. So if Justin Thomas and Scotty Scheffler are kind of in the same category, if the putter just is average, then they have a chance at winning the golf tournament because the rest of their game is so well-rounded and such in a good spot that they're going to do well at that. If they can just putt to average, they're going to be okay. Xander Shoffley is an interesting play as well. He hasn't finished worse than 13th in this PGA Tour season if you exclude his one withdrawal due to injury. And in his last five trips to Riviera, he hasn't finished any worse than 23rd. I would kind of say that Xander might not have as much winning upside as a lot of the other guys I've mentioned so far, but he definitely is deployable in DFS where you don't need a win for him to pay off his price tag. He's a California guy, and so I think that this is a good spot for Xander. But like I said, I don't think... With his game being where it's at right now, I don't think he has as much winning upside as a Scheffler or a Thomas or a Rory or a Rahm because those guys have the rest of their game dialed in so well that all they need is a good putting week. Xander's turning in good putting weeks week in and week out, so he would have to elevate some other area of his game if he wants to come away with a win here. Max Homa is very interesting because he's coming off what some would consider a disappointing 39th place finish at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. He did have previously a win at the Farmers Invitational, or Farmers Insurance Open, I'm sorry. And he also has a win here at Riviera for the Genesis Invitational. He also has a win at one of my comp courses, Quail Hollow. So all of that points to good things for Max Homa, right? A win recently, a win at this course, a win at a comp course. But he has struggled mightily in his career, in very strong field events. He doesn't really have any good finishes in majors. He doesn't really have any career wins with a field that is this elite. But if there was anywhere he was going to do it, it would be here at a course he's won at before, and he always seems to play well in California. So I don't have any problem going to Max Homa in any format this week. Tony Finau is another guy that fits like... He's kind of like John Rahm Light, except a little bit more happy. <laughs> He's never, you know, like cursing out the, the uh, broadcast like John Rahm is. But anyway, um, Tony Finau fits the description of this course, like the golfer that we need perfectly. He's long off the tee. He's straight off the tee. He's a great around the green player. And it shows he has two runner-up finishes here at Riviera. One of them was a playoff loss to Max Homa. He also has a win at one of my comp courses at Houston. So I think this is a great spot for Tony Finau. Um, 
I think that he does possess some winning upside, probably more so than anybody in this range in terms of value. Uh, and I think that this is just, has the potential to be a really good Tony Finau week. I just think he fits the course perfectly with everything that I described with what I want in somebody this week. That's Tony Finau to a T. Sung J.M., has turned in solid finish after solid finish with a T6 at the Waste Management. Now, I told you guys on the podcast last week, if you wanted somebody to come in T12, then to pick Sunjay, and he outdid that by just a little bit with a T6. He, again, is kind of like, like he, I would not bet him to win at all. I would not probably not play him in one and done at this event. I don't think he has winning upside for an event like this. However, he's been playing really good golf lately. And I think that, again, I'm going to say it again. If you want a guy to come in T12, Sung JM is your guy. Actually, you know what? I'll give him a little bit of an upgrade. If you want a guy to come in T9, Sung JM is your guy. Uh, I'm probably not going to be playing him in DFS for that reason. Um, probably wouldn't be betting him outright for that reason and probably wouldn't be playing him in one and done for that reason. But if you're you know, doing something where you're betting a top 10, betting a top 20, whatever, then Sung JM is definitely a good pick for that. Also worth noting, he does not have any course history here, but you know, much like with what I said about Finau, he's kind of a good fit for the course because of how good he is with his irons. He's going to be able to hit more greens than others just because of his iron play. Speaking of iron play, Colin Morikawa was a runner up here last year in Joaquin Neiman's runaway win. Colin Morikawa is a California guy, and so this seems to be a pretty good spot for him. However, the missed cut at the waste management worries me. He, in his career, hasn't really excelled when conditions get difficult. And at Riviera, it has the potential to be difficult. The course itself is already difficult enough, and if the winds start swirling, then it's going to be just crazy difficult out there. And that is not a situation where Morikawa does well. And for that reason, as much as it's a good fit, I'm fine with avoiding Colin Morikawa this week. Now, a guy that I am interested in is Sam Burns. He's coming off of a T6 at the Waste Management and a T11 at the American Express, and he actually came in third here two years ago. He was in the final pairing with Max Homa and just didn't really keep pace on Sunday, and so he finished out of a playoff that had Max Homa and Tony Finau in it. And so I think that this is a pretty good course for him. He's just such a well-rounded golfer that I think he can excel at pretty much any course, and he's playing some good golf right now, so I have no problem going back to Sam Burns. Patrick Cantlay had a missed cut at the Waste Management, but he has great history here at Riviera. He's a California guy, and he has five straight top 33 finishes here at Riviera. If you're playing Cantlay, that's probably what you're banking on, is the course history and the familiarity with the California geography. All right, so that does it for the top of the board, guys. Let's take a quick breather, and then let's talk about some values. So looking at value plays, there are two names that are just outside of the top of the board that really stand out, and that's Victor Hovland and Cameron Young. Hovland has a fourth and a fifth here in two career appearances, and Cameron Young was runner-up here last year. Cameron Young, it totally makes sense for his path to success here. He's one of the longest hitters off the tee on the PGA Tour, and that allows him to excel at a long golf course. Victor Hovland is one of the more creative golfers on the PGA Tour, and so he actually is a much better short game player now than he was in his last re re recent finishes here, and I think that it's a solid spot for both of these guys as they look for their young careers to get, you know, kind of a signature PGA Tour win. Hideki Matsuyama is really like a great encapsulation of everything we want this week. He has good course history. He has four top 11 finishes in the last seven trips. He's a great short game player, and he has a win at Augusta National, the Masters, which is one of my comp courses. So I think this could be a really good Hideki week. 
However, if there was one course horse this week, it would be Adam Scott. He has two wins, a second, a fourth, and a seventh here at Riviera, which is just absolutely elite. And he has said it himself, he loves playing this course, he loves playing this event. So I think he's actually a really sneaky one-and-done pick, and I think that he honestly makes for really good play in DFS as well. Sahid Thagawa is another guy that intrigues me this week. He's a California guy. He played his collegiate golf in Los Angeles at Pepperdine, and he is a high-ceiling player. Like the, we, We've seen that when he plays well in his career, the strength of the field doesn't matter. The course doesn't matter. When, when he's playing well, he's playing well. When he's not, he's not. And so if you play him in any format, whether it's you know betting him to come in a certain place, playing him in DFS, one and done, whatever, it's high risk, high reward, but he has the upside to absolutely win this thing. And there's very few guys this far down the board that do. Wyndham Clark has a good combination of recent form and course history. He's a pretty good fit, in my opinion, because he is one of the longer hitters on tour. And let's talk about the recent form, though. He has a T10 in the waste management, and that made it two top 10s in his last four starts. Now, in terms of course history, he has a 17th and an 8th here, and he actually DQ'd here last year. I believe the story was that he signed an incorrect scorecard, and I couldn't really find enough information to know whether or not he was going to make the cut, um, but that did go in as a DQ. So good course history, good recent form, good fit. Wyndham Clark, I think, is a great play in DFS this week. Keith Mitchell is playing some good golf, and we always have the Rory comparison with Keith Mitchell. Courses that Rory plays well, Keith Mitchell seems to play well. It's one of the weirdest correlations on PGA Tour. And, you know, like I said earlier, it's a pretty good fit for Rory because of how well-rounded he is. So this could be a pretty good fit for Keith Mitchell as well. Nick Taylor is playing the best golf of his career right now. He's coming off of the runner-up at the Waste Management Phoenix Open where he was in the final trio with Scotty Scheffler and John Rahm and actually outplayed John Rahm for 18 holes. Just couldn't keep, quite keep up with Scotty Scheffler. Um, and so, you know, I don't mind riding the hot hand here. You know, he's shown the ability to have a good finish in a tough field event. I don't think he's necessarily the best fit for this course. He's not a super long hitter, but, you know, it just ride the hot hand. He's playing well right now. I don't mind going back to him. Alex Noren, to me, is a guy who does fit the course very well. He is long off the tee, and he is a pretty good short game player. He has a 12th and a 16th place finish, and he has not missed a cut here in four tries. That is worth noting. I'll take that course history any day out of a guy that is this far down the board. Taylor Moore is your recent form king at this level, in my opinion. He can, he just continues to rack up good finishes. He has three straight top 15s this calendar year, and he has a 21st place finish at this course last year. So um, definitely good trends for Taylor Moore. He is another long hitter that I think can do well here. Thomas Dietrich, in my opinion, is one of the most skilled golfers that you can get at this range as we keep going down the board. And he hasn't missed a cut in the United States all season in this wraparound PGA Tour season that dates back to last September. And so, you know, give me the talent. Give me the guy who hasn't missed a cut. If you're playing him in DFS, I think he's a pretty safe bet to, you know, to make the cut and give you a lineup that can go six for six. Um, He's so far down the board, I probably wouldn't want to bet him outright or one and done, but just I'll trust the talent. Like, you know, give me a guy who's got the ability to play well and finish well in a tough field event as opposed to some of these other guys that just I don't think can get there. Now, Patrick Rogers does intrigue me. He's a California guy. He's coming off of a T14 at the Waste Management, and at this course, he owns five top 30 finishes, but also two missed cuts. So he's definitely got some upside, but he's definitely got some risk as well. 
Looking further down the board, Hayden Buckley has no history here, but he is a great driver of the golf ball who hits it long and hits it straight. Now, I know that the course he did well at, you know, YLI at Sony is one of the shortest courses on PGA Tour, and this one is one of the longer courses on the PGA Tour, but I still think good driving, you know, when it's long and straight translates pretty much anywhere. So even if you want to say that, oh, he hasn't done well at courses like this, I think he has the definite potential to with the skill set that he possesses. Now, speaking of great drivers at golf ball, Jonathan Vegas seems to be back. He has back-to-back -to -back top 25 finishes after returning from injury. And he's another guy that, like I kind of mentioned with Dietrich, he's a guy that's got a lot of talent and a lot of upside down here at a range where that is in short supply. Sam Ryder is another guy whose recent form makes him an interesting play. After the near miss at Torrey where he finished runner-up, he has a T20 at the Waste Management last week, and he owns a T26 here at Riviera. I would not mind going back to him. Looking way down the board now, Davis Thompson and Trey Mullinax, both slightly interesting because they're both long hitters. Um, they don't really have any other characteristics that really stand out that make them intriguing to me other than that. But, you know, that is something that can lead to success here at Riviera. James Hahn is the guy that has surprisingly good history here at Riviera. He has a win, four other top 28 finishes, and only one missed cut. He is sitting there in the 6K range on DraftKings. How often is it that you can get a guy who's won at the same course in the 6K range? It's not very often. So I definitely think that James Hahn is worth a look this week. Lonto Griffin is also in the 6K range. And he has a win at one of my comp courses, which is Houston. He also has two straight made cuts after returning from a long-term injury. And in this, you know, at this course at Riviera, he has three top 40 finishes in the last three years. So definitely some upside for Lonto Griffin. Now, the last guy that I do want to talk about, how could I not mention him? The big cat himself, Tiger Woods. And I got to be honest, to me, he is just solely a for fun or for the vibes play. Like, I, I, there's nothing that points to Tiger's ability to contend and win in a four-round tournament at a very tough field um, right now at the current stage of his career. And it, it hurts me to say that because, you know, he's like the greatest ever, right? But just... I don't think that there's any way to seriously bet him or play him in DFS or to, um, you know, put any kind of prop bets on him that involve him being successful this week, unless you're just doing it to have fun rooting for Tiger Woods. Like, like if that's what you want to do, go for it. Like, by all means, I wouldn't stop you. But I, there's nothing other than sentimentality this week that he has going for him. And I, I'm probably going to be avoiding him for that reason. And I think DraftKings and FanDuel are both a little evil in how high they priced him. If you want to play him for the fun and for the vibes and to root for Tiger, you're still going to have to pay up for golfers that are in much better positions in their career right now than where Tiger Woods is at. All right, so that does it for the value plays. So let's go ahead and do a quick one-and-done preview, and then we're going to be done with this episode. All right, so let's talk one and done. So in my personal one and done, I am sitting just outside the money right now. Um, I have not picked a winner yet. However, I've also not missed a cut yet either. So I'm um, just putting together a string of guys who have made the cut and gotten just kind of very mediocre paydays. But this is an elevated event. So in whatever position you are in in your one and done, if you're playing for prize money, 
you have the opportunity to make a comeback by picking a winner this week, which is what makes it important. I truly think it brings everybody in play. Now, when it comes to Scotty Scheffler, I kind of did not play Scotty Scheffler last week at Phoenix, even though it was a great spot for him, because I kind of would have rather played him at Augusta or at Arnold Palmer or at the match play, right? So I probably won't go to him this week, even though he is a good fit. John Rahm, if you did not play him at Torrey, is an option as well. Rory McIlroy, if you don't have intentions to play him at a major, is an option as well, as are Justin Thomas and Xander Shoffley. And I kind of think that that top tier of guys is going to kind of be like, if you're being aggressive, that's who you go with this week, is one of those top six, Rahm, Scheffler, McIlroy, Thomas, Shoffley, right? If you are playing a little more conservatively, I think there are still some really solid options out there. I really like Max Homa as a one-and-done pick this week. So we're kind of ending the California swing after this event at Riviera. And you know who plays his best golf in California? Max Homa. And I got to be honest, with his major track record, I'm probably not going to be picking Max Homa to win a major at Los Angeles Country Club, even though it's in California. So I think this is a great spot for Max Homa. I picked Tony Finau last week at the Waste Management, but I think this is a great spot for Tony Finau as well. It's a course that fits his skill set beautifully. He has a win at one of the comp courses, and he's playing decent golf as we head into it. Now, if you want to go further down the board than that, I think Sam Burns is a solid choice just because he is so well-rounded and he does have that third-place finish here. I think Cameron Young is an okay choice. However, I think Cameron Young is one of these guys that as we go down the course of the season, we're going to get a, like a weaker field event where he's going to be one of the favorites because he's playing in it. That, that's just kind of how, how I feel like Cameron Young's season will go, right? Now, if you want to go really outside the box, then I think there are two really good options as well, and I think they are Hideki Matsuyama, because I'll be honest, I don't really see Hideki being a guy that I'm super interested in playing at like, you know, a major or anything like that. Um, and I think Adam Scott with it, with his course history being what it is, I think is an option as well. And again, I don't picture myself wanting to play Adam Scott anytime the rest of the season. So um, it's a little bit risky to go with one of those guys in an elevated event, but I definitely think that they are options. Matsuyama is like the perfect fit. Adam Scott is the course horse. And so I think that both those guys, if you want to go super off the board, those are the two best options this week. I got to be honest, I'm probably going to be leaning towards Homa. As we get closer to, you know, kind of, you know, the um, Thursday morning, I might switch that up. Xander Shoffley intrigues me. Just, you know, being a California guy, seeming like the back is finally all right. And he's coming off some really good finishes. But I think that Max Home is probably going to be my preferred play as we head into the week. All right. So that does it for the one and done preview. And that does it for the whole preview for the Genesis Invitational. If you want to see my official final DFS picks for this week, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. They will be going up on there on either Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever I have time to finally get it written out. Um, and... If you're interested in college basketball, check out the college basketball episodes. If you hit the subscribe button, you, you will get notifications when we drop. But we were going to be recording a DFS college basketball episode every day for the rest of this week. So just make sure you stay tuned for that. All right. That does it for the Genesis Invitational Preview. So whether you are playing um, DFS, whether you are betting, whether you are looking at prop bets, whether you're playing one and done, best of luck to you this week. Hopefully I gave you guys some names and some analysis that you can use to win yourself some money. 
Best of luck to everybody. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see y'all next time. Mm-hmm.